0: Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. How important is it to you that people sincerely worship God? Is it something worth getting all worked up about? When people come before God in a so-called place of praise and worship, but only out of routine and hypocrisy, without actually giving the glory to God, how do you respond? Of course, we often don't know people's hearts, but uh, when that happens, do we calmly remind others that uh, this is an activity which warrants more consideration, or does it kind of make our blood boil? We'll be in Malachi 2, 1 to 3, and in our study of this provocative text, we'll find that Malachi definitely takes the latter approach. Anyone who says a human being can't get upset about the way another human being worships, well, is going to have significant problems with the book of Malachi. Uh, Recall that our text was written sometime in the middle of the 400s, after the people had returned from exile, after the temple and Jerusalem had been rebuilt. Malachi is written to the small remnant community called Yehud, uh, living under Persian rule under economic stress. The land isn't producing as it should, so finances are tight. The temple and its sacrifices, they are operating, but the people are not giving like they should. And we learn from chapter 1 that the priests have not insisted upon the right sacrifices. Instead, they have kind of this anything-goes approach. Just kind of like, keep the line moving. As we've already seen, the real problem with this is that it reveals the mindset of the priests. They viewed their work of worship as a job to be endured, a sighing and a groaning, and they didn't appreciate their privileged role of being the ones responsible for guarding the worship of the true and living God. Before, in chapter 1, Malachi peeled back the veneer and exposed what was going on underneath the priest's activity. They were not giving glory to God, and he would not be content with this so-called worship. In this next unit, starting in chapter 2, Malachi continues this indictment against the priests, but focuses now on the punishment that awaits them. It comes in three forms. God will punish their work, God will punish their children, and God will punish the priests themselves. So keep your eye out for both the content of this punishment and also the tone Uh, in which it's communicated as I read our passage, starting in Malachi 2.1. And now this commandment is to you, O priests, if you will not listen and if you will not put this to heart to give glory to my name, says Yahweh of hosts, then I will put the curse on you and I will curse your blessings. And I have cursed it because you do not put it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your seed, and I will spread dung on your faces, the dung of your feasts, and I will take you away with it. The vocative, the, the noun of address, O priests, means that we're starting a new unit, similar to six, though clearly the content continues, the same topic as before, uh, where we read in six, where is my fear, O priests who despise my name? But the content of this first part of chapter 2 shows Malachi is continuing with his attack on the temple. Now, from external appearances, the problem looked like the wrong kinds of animals were being put on the altar. But 2.2 succinctly summarizes the previous discussion and gets to the very heart of the matter, which is the matter of the heart. The priests, in their worship, were not giving glory to God's name. And if they won't put this commandment to heart, that is the whole topic under discussion. Then as the priests have turned worship into non-worship, so too God will turn their blessings into non-blessings. That is, he will actually curse their blessings. The priests are kind of this intermediary between God and humans. And they not only mediate humans to God by offering sacrifices, but you know they also mediated God to humans by blessing the people. It was their job to give the priestly blessing, which is recorded for us in Numbers chapter 6. Verses 22 to 27 read, quote, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his son, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. The scholar Michael Fishbane has well argued that Malachi's indictment against the priests inverts this famous priestly blessing into a kind of anti-blessing. Particularly in the Hebrew, there are many parallels between the two passages in, in Malachi and number six. So although it's possible that the expression, I will curse your blessings, refers to God denying the priests any benefit they would normally receive, Uh, This connection suggests the blessings are what the priests were to convey to the people. The priestly benediction is going to be inverted, so that instead of this prayer resulting in God being gracious and actually giving His peace and shining His face, instead, when the priests pray it, God will turn away from the people. The whole process will fall apart. Now, there's a second intertextual connection worth our attention here. Verse 2 says, I will put the curse on you. This is probably a reference to the Deuteronomic curse in Deuteronomy 28. If you'll recall that scene, half of the people go to Mount Gerizim to represent the blessings and half to Mount Ebal to represent the curses. And the people were to pick. What did they really want? Would they obey? God had promised that faithfulness would mean the land would yield its harvest and they would be prosperous. But alternatively, if they broke the covenant, they would experience hardship. Specifically, economic hardship, and that the land would fail to produce its crops. Deuteronomy 28, 23 to 24 reads, And the heavens over your head shall be bronze, and the earth under you shall be iron. The Lord will make the rain of your land powder. From heaven, dust shall come down on you until you are destroyed. So, from this perspective, the curse entails economic hardship and lack of productivity. So when Malachi warns in the end of verse two, then I will put the curse on you and I will curse your blessings. And in fact, I have cursed it, that is the blessings, because you do not put it to heart. He can shift from the future to the past because the agricultural problems had already begun. The priests were responsible for offering up worship to God. But all of this, Malachi tells us, was a sham because they weren't really in their hearts giving glory to God. And so their other function of blessing the people would turn out to be a sham. One of the consequences of failing to give God the glory is that it means God really isn't in our work, and so the whole thing falls apart. If we think about application, uh, this means uh, that it's incredibly important that as we are ministers of the gospel and do God's work, our priestly duty, that our heart is really in it and that we're giving the glory to God. Now, don't get me wrong, there are times when people do get saved and God really uses the ministry of preachers, and we later learn that they were actually living in gross immoral sin. We're not living underneath this Deuteronomic covenant so that God has guaranteed prosperity only if we're faithful, but still it would be foolish to think that God will bless our work for him, whatever that may actually look like, if we don't have a posture of genuine worship. The admonition, for example, of Haggai is important and appropriate for many of our churches. Who said in Malachi 1.5, Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. So thinking about our application for today, as we go about our priestly duty, if it seems like God's not blessing it, God's not using us to actually get his work done, maybe it's because, get ready to hear this, God has cursed our blessings because we're not genuinely worshiping him. We should investigate our hearts and see if this is, our state of affairs. So God would punish the priest's work if they refused to listen. Verse 3 possibly gives us another consequence, though, as I've tried to indicate in my translation, there are some difficulties. Uh, 3a could read, behold, I will rebuke your seed, or it could read, behold, I will cut off your arm or, or shoulder. Now cutting off your arm isn't quite so random as it might strike us at first. Uh, It would require a little change to the Hebrew in conformity with the Septuagint. But the idea could be that the arm, particularly the hand, would be raised and stretched out to bless the people. If so, the idea would be similar to what we've just been considering. God will undo the priest's work of blessing. But actually, the Hebrew makes good sense, and changing the vowel pointing or even seeing a copyist error is kind of a last resort, and I think it's unnecessary here. God will rebuke the seed. The word rebuke can mean something like speak insultingly, but here it means something like punish or stop. Now, translators often spell out the nuance of seed, but actually it's a pretty straightforward metaphor. We likely have a double entendre here. Uh, Seed can mean literal seed, like the kind of seed that you put in the ground so that way plants grow up. In chapter three, we'll make it clear that there is agricultural difficulty in the little land of Yehud. Uh, And we just saw how this connects with the curse of Deuteronomy 28. God will rebuke the seed and that the plants won't grow. In fact, it's interesting. The Syriac actually has, I will rebuke the seed of the ground. But Malachi has much to say about the family as well. Uh, For example, in a few verses, Malachi will talk about the purpose of marriage and how it's to produce godly seed. That is God-fearing progeny. Malachi has probably both meanings in view. Their inauthentic worship means that the land will suffer and that their children will be displaced from service. Not only would God punish their work and their children, but Malachi saves the most powerful punishment for the end. God would punish the perpetrators themselves. Now, there's just no way of softening the blow, of getting around the vivid description here. He says, I will spread dung on your faces, the dung of your feasts. The word translated dung, the Hebrew peresh, is about as vulgar as it sounds. It refers to excrement. When it occurs in cultic context, priestly context, it means the entrails and all the leftover junk from a sacrifice that was burned outside the camp. Malachi is talking about smearing feces on the priest's faces this is a disturbing idea. There's no way of reading this and not getting the idea that God is furious and is determined to publicly shame and humiliate these individuals. I don't know if your theology, your concept of God uh, allows for such a thing, but if you're going to be biblical, it should. God's passionate about worship, and those who disregard him will be publicly humiliated like, like smearing poop on their face. They will be disqualified from continuing their priestly ministry. That the Lord would use this kind of imagery shows how passionate he is about the subject. Now, it's not the idea that God is against priesthood in general at this time. In fact, one book earlier in the 12, in Zechariah, who ministered about the same generation, uh, about one generation before Malachi, says in 3, 6-7, Then the angel of the Lord assured Joshua, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you walk in my ways and keep my requirements, then you will rule my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. This consecration had a responsibility. If you walk in my ways but the priests had failed to live up to their calling. God responds with more than saying, "Uh, our agreement hasn't been mutually beneficial and so we're just gonna have to part ways. No, God is angered by their superficial worship. He takes it personally and will publicly humiliate those who engage in this facade. How about you? Will you listen to this commandment and give glory to God's name? If you don't, don't think that you can escape without God noticing. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu slash partner.